Hi, this is Dee, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. Um, you may be listening to it on Podbeam or on a different um, podcast app, um, or you might be listening to it on YouTube, um, or somewhere else I may not know. But either way, um, thank you for joining me. Um, normally, before, I've, I've talked this before on my other podcast, um, I'm on my 27th podcast now, <laughs> go me. Um, but I have talked before, I used to do disclaimers and stuff and try to do my resources and stuff and have all my citations and my eyes dotted, my T's crossed and whatnot. Um, and then I got into talking about just winging it, you know, and not necessarily having an exact topic in the beginning. I would just start talking. Um, and, uh, then I started doing kind of like a little bit of both. So in this episode, I'm going to do a little bit of both. I did um, print off some information um, off of a site, um, and at the same time, I kind of want to go over my own opinions and stuff, too, as I go. So, that being said, I want to get into this, because I'm not really for sure on how long this is going to talk or take. I know there's a lot here that I want to talk about. Um, and again, if anybody has any thoughts or um, suggestions or even input or I want to be, you know, any kind of uh, respectful criticism, if you will. Feel free to uh, comment um, or get a hold of me and let me know, and I'd be really glad to um, hear and and read all you have to say, actually. Um, But like I said, respectful uh, criticism because I've had enough negativity in my life and enough um, people that want to be negative Nancys, which we said in my day and time, instead of a Karen. Um, or negative Nellies, or whatever you want to call them. Um, I've had enough negativity and and um, belittlement in my life. So obviously, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about um, talking to somebody or offering suggestions and stuff. So I always say respectful criticism. Um, so anyway, feel free to contact me, drop a comment or whatever. That being said, we're gonna get into this. I pulled off some information off of psychcentral.com. My last podcast, I talked about grief um, and different stages of grief. And um, I'm very candid in my podcast. I I open up a lot about myself and my healing and, and stuff and survival. And being at where I'm at now, I always say that I am a um, surviving suicidal victim. And... Um, I am actually in recovery of self-harm. So I never really looked at it that way until somebody had said that one day that they were, I forget how long, I'll just hypothetically say a year, a year of being um, a recovering self-harm victim. And um, I would like to put myself in that category as well because I am acknowledging that. So um, that being said, a lot of times when somebody has... um, something going on with them, self-esteem or a way of life or things that have made them into who they are today, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the whole beings of, of everything that manifests, manifests, if you will, and makes them them, little remnants of themselves, um, combined together make them as a person. And I always say everybody's got multiple personalities because everybody has to switch gears and change hats on a different type of person that they are depending on the setting or the situation that they're um, engaging in. So um, obviously all of this can play a big factor 
on how someone can take something, how somebody can uh, word something, or how things can be misunderstood, um, a number of factors. And so uh, sometimes, like with myself, I'm very independent. I'm a very independent person. I always say I'm too independent for my own good sometimes. Um, and I always say I'll make somebody a really good husband someday because I've done construction work. I work on my car, you know, and stuff like that. So um, that being said, it, it, it can take um, a toll on a person, but it can take an even bigger toll on a relationship. And people build up walls or put sandbags, if you will, around their structure of themselves to protect them. Um for anything that overflows onto them and then you use it as a barrier wall um, metaphorically speaking of course to keep them safe but yet accessible but yet capable enough to go back over to in their walls and continue to build their walls up higher and higher depending on how much um, overflow is flowing onto them and so they try to protect themselves from the excess um, environment, I guess you could say, of what um, drowns them. And so in a relationship, I always say, you know, obviously relationships should be 50-50, you know, idealistically. However, it depends on, I guess, on how you look at it, because you can be 50-50, you could be 40-60, you could be 99 and 100, you be 20-80. Um, you know, it depends because sometimes in relationship you can't always be 50-50 because somebody's always, you know, might have something going on that's a little bit more deeper and more um, overtaking them, I guess you could say, to where they can't contribute as much as a person, let alone as an equal partner in a relationship. So the other partner has to catch the overflow, has to catch um, whatever needs to be in order to keep the relationship and each other balanced because when you have an, a partner or somebody in your relationship it should be a balance between the two of you and sometimes the other person has heavier weights that weigh down the relationship to where it's sinking and it's causing a problem to where the other person might feel like they have to bail things out may have to try to take out the negative things out and take some of the weight off um, so that way they don't both sink and drown or it might be the other one doesn't contribute at, as much because maybe they don't know how maybe they haven't been in a type of relationship or have been taught a certain way to respect a relationship and a lot of times people I guess in my opinion don't look as a relationship as something that should be respectful but more so be respected by both parties if you're gonna be in a relationship where it's gonna be a uh, hundred percent zero and, and there's no equal partners in there and you're gonna feel alone, then you might as well be alone. You might as well be single. Um, but, however, I always say you always have problems and in, in, in situations and issues to overcome in any relationship you're in with with somebody through your life. So you know you go in between out boyfriend, girlfriends or whatever the case may be and you bounce through different relationships. But it's finding that one person that makes all of that, um, I guess, it, it takes one person to, you need to decide on that one person that you want to go through all that stuff with that matters. Because you're going to go through things anyway. It's finding the person you want to go through those things with is, makes, is what makes the difference, in my opinion. Now, according to psychcentral.com, 
Um, there was an article in here um, written um, <clears throat> by Stephen Rowe, and it was reviewed by Janet Brito, a PhD, updated on June the 12th, 2021. So this is not really that old, but in a relationship, um, let's just say, you know, if you can last three years in a relationship and nowadays, um, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> um, because there are just so many factors. The people have lost so much perspective on what a relationship is really supposed to be about, I, I believe. Um, because back in my role model, I guess you could say, you know, in my life, of course, my parents were uh, divorced. I was a very young age, went through a lot of abuse and trauma and stuff. But my stepdad, which I talk about all the time, how my dad passed away. My stepdad was not my biological dad, but he was my dad first and foremost and always, always will be. Um, but he passed away a couple of years ago. But I was having a conversation that with my mother. And we were talking about him, obviously, about some stuff. And um, that was one thing I would say about him. He was um, a very respectful um, gentleman. He was raised right. Um, you know, he was a West Virginian hillbilly. Um, but he was uh, a provider. He was the man of the house. Um, he was... Um, he put my mom first, first and foremost, and he would literally do without his medication, uh, if need be, if my mom needed hers. And he wouldn't say nothing, but he would. That's just who he was. Um, and um, my mom is going through some health problems right now. Obviously, I've talked about it before. Um, she actually was in the hospital yesterday and was admitted. We went by ambulance, and uh, she just got out today, and... She is uh, resting now, but she's got a lot of things going on. Um, very scary moments that I endure with her. Some heart-to-hearts um, that we take sometimes when we mentally and physically and emotionally can handle it. Um, because obviously we're both going through a lot. But I try not to put um, my emotions and the things that I'm going through on her. Um, because obviously she can't handle it. So, um, but... Their relationship, I mean, they were married about 40 years, and um, it's it's kind of, it's difficult, kind of, it's difficult to really kind of look back on different things in my life growing up right now, because everything is so sensitive, and so, so painful, because of losing him, and watching my mother, um, in the condition that she's in, um, she's basically bedridden, she's blind, um, and she is not only a prisoner in her own mind, but she's a prisoner in her bed, in her room, and her life is, consists of audiobooks, and me, <laughs> um, and sometimes on my own, uh, <laughs> my own show, if you will, but, uh, I get on her nerves, <laughs> uh, when she can't handle it, I always say, oh, am I the daughter who gets on your nerves, and she says, yes, you are, <laughs> Um, so that I know I'm doing my job right, but I also know when I need to pull back. And and when I don't, I'm trying to teach myself to remember to do that. Because, you know, it's not always about um, a specific moment. It's about a specific um, episode, a, a specific trauma, a specific trigger. And that is what creates our moments a lot of times. And when you have different moments like that, I feel 
um, it can it does a toll to somebody. So when you take that and you put it into uh, meeting somebody in a relationship, you know, I always say, you know, and I mean this with respect, heaven help the next man that I'm with because I have got so much going on with me. He's going to have to be one hell of a dude um, to handle um, me. <laughs> and I don't mean that as an, um, I don't know how I mean that actually because um, there's a lot there. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of abandonment. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of recovery. There's a lot of uh, things that I don't want to explain that um, unfairly, I guess, should just be known. <laughs> and that's not even fair. Um, but I don't want to have to keep explaining my life. I don't want to have to ex keep explaining my feelings to somebody. I don't want to have to keep trying to take little bag sands out of my wall to peep out there into the world to want to put the bag back because I'm I'm tired of going and reliving and putting my heart out there and and confiding and and building a relationship with someone just to feel exactly like I do now <laughs> and um so a lot of times when you meet somebody and you have all this I guess you want to say in fairness baggage if you will um it does something to a relationship. It does something to a person. But it also sometimes can stunt the growth of building something together and growing together and growing old together. And I always say, <laughs> I'm going to, I want to grow old and, and bald with somebody. I'm going to grow old, gray, uh, old and gray and old and bald because I'm going to be old and gray and he's going to be old and bald. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. It might end up going the other way, but, um, he might be the reason why I got gray hair, and I might be the reason why he's bald. Who knows? <laughs> but um, nor here nor there. Um, on this particular article, article though, um, it, it talks about how to overcome relationship stress together as a couple, as a team. Um, some of these are my own words, and some are words from there. Um, but I got this off of Central or PsychCentral.com, and I'm going to read this um, as I printed it out. But I've made some notes on here. Um, and I'm going to kind of just free talk with it as well, but it's got some interesting information, I think, that might, it might actually help, um, put a little bit more perspective, um, in trying to understand a relationship, but more so trying to understand, uh, what kind of relationship partner you are and what kind of relationship partner you want to reflect, if that um, it makes sense in my head, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, because, you know, in the end, you are a representation of each other. And, um, you know, how somebody perceives you can also be the perception on how they see somebody, your partner, even if they've never even met them, um, and vice versa. So it is a reflective mirror, um, kind of, in my opinion. But anyway, before I ramble on there... Um, it starts off to say a solid romantic relationship can offer intimacy, support, and stability, especially during stressful times. Frustrating relationships can be a source of stress, but research that positive relationships can uplift your mental and physical health. Uh, everyone argues, uh, everyone argues, um, sometimes arguments get uh, aggressive and uh, violent. Sometimes they lead um, into... Um, 
murder, death, uh, accidents, um, a variety of things that are not always positive. Um, so having an argument once in a while, while it isn't a sign that you're in a bad relationship per se, in fact, when your couples are able to disagree in a productive way, it can actually improve their communication skills. So sometimes it's just a way of communication. And yes, that's a big word that most relationships, um, unfortunately, that I have been in um, have struggled with. Um, research in 2018 supports that folks who are able to openly communicate with their partner oft about what stresses them out can help them actively manage relationship stress during intense discussions. Feeling stressed out in your relationship is typical from time to time. However, arise if the relationship stress doesn't go away between your arguments or if the negative situations persist for a long time. So sometimes... Um, like I know like some people say I don't want to go ever go to bed angry um, you know and sometimes it's having a game plan the best that you can um, on how to handle a situation if it gets to the point of escalation of what you feel like could be a no return or go in a negative way and since you love your partner you want to think about it rationally at the time that you're in that loving feeling so that way when you get into the moment of not being so much mentally there, if you will, um, you can counteract it hopefully in time to where it doesn't sever the bond of the person that you love and you want to spend your life with. So having a game plan ahead of time, maybe walking away, maybe having a code word, um, like if you're in a tense argument um, and then you have a code word and that's your safety word to where if you say this word, um, the other person automatically knows to retract and give it space. And come back um, after you guys are both ready. Maybe have another code word or something to know that, hey, it's time. Or like, um, I know this, maybe this isn't a right kind of example, but maybe it could be. I, I was told one time uh, back in the day that when this woman had a set of statues and they were doves. And um, there were two doves there. And when she was in the mood to be um, with her partner... <laughs> Um, she would take the two doves and she would put them where the beaks were facing each other and touching. And so when he saw that, he would know that she was wanting to have some type of relationship with him, you know, sexual relationship with him. So then that was a trigger for him to know, hey, the doves are touching. So, <laughs> um, but maybe like it, when you're having um, an, a situation where you have a code word, maybe where you need to retract and kind of retreat to your corners, maybe you can have some kind of other thing that you do to necessarily symbolize or give a heads up to your partner in a positive way that, hey, let's reconvene this in a positive, productive way. And I'm not necessarily saying the sex is the, the, the reconvene, but um, I'm just saying, <laughs> I guess that kind of would sound like where that was going. <laughs> but just have it as like a code of understanding of, hey, I'm ready to talk now. Um, and whatever comes after that, that's between y'all. But um, You've got, you cannot use sex as a weapon, or you can't use sex as a band-aid. It doesn't work. It does not the, the cure-all. Um, sometimes you have to have the whole first aid kit. And I'm a very metaphorical person, um, so um, this is who I am. <laughs> I, I do things a lot of times, reference metaphors and stuff, so... Um,
or things in my head that relate to something that maybe not relate to anybody else, but they do to me. So, or maybe they do, and that's what's scary. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to continue on. Um, see, I told you, the next dude's going to have his hands full with me because I'm all over the place. Um, so anyway, it says, how does stress affect my relationship? Every relationship is going to have arguments. At worst, the arguments can result in hurt feelings, loss of respect for the other person, or loss of actually the relationship in itself. And like I said, it is the one you want to go through all that stuff, all that heartache, all them arguments, all them trial and errors, all them growth spurts and um, stuff. The one that you want to go through all that with is what matters. That's what makes, that's the difference. Um, if you speak and react in the heat of the moment, our words will come out as accusations. Or worse yet, as a personal attack against your partner, the person that you love. And it may look like you're trying to intentionally hurt the person that you love. And when they feel like they're being attacked, um, they're in defense mode. So then you're not being productive. You're too busy defending yourself that you're not able to actually communicate and and hear. Even though you listen to what they're saying, you can't really hear what they're trying to mean um, because of you being in defense mode. And sometimes, um, I wrote this down in here. I don't know exactly where I put it at. <laughs> um, where did I put this at? <laughs> like you guys would know. <laughs> um, oh, the best defense is not feeling like you're defensive. Um, so, and that's easier said than done. I, I understand that. Um, in a real idealistic world, in an idealistic world, um, that makes sense. Um, to me. <laughs> anyway, to me. Um, words carry a lot of weight in an argument. And saying something in anger even if it just feels justified at the time in the moment, can still have a lasting effect long after the, the argument is done, over with, and concluded, or um, ends one way or another. And these impacts can contribute to even more stress down the road. And at-home stress um, doesn't always necessarily involve your partner. So a person, um, like I said, in a relationship, there's a lot of things that... Each other, you know, we each have our own ways of coping, our own things going on in our life. And even though we are partners and we're in a relationship together, when you're not together, you have things outside that are um, apart from being within your relationship. It's outside factors. So you have like your jobs and school and people and, and whatnot. And they can affect you, which then affects your relationship, which then affects your partner. And it's like a big domino effect. Um, another other ways um, other ways stress affects your home. You may not always notice all the ways stress can affect your body or your home life, but if stress persists, it can ripple out and impact your pets, um, your children, um, pregnancy, postpartum, your way of thinking, sleep, lack of sleep, your sex and intimacy, your self-esteem, and your environment, your work. Uh, your blood pressure, your health, self-medicating, trauma, your family, uh, different ways of beliefs and upbringing, grief, and just pure, simple misunderstanding. Um, tips for dealing with relationship stress. Um, it's easy to let financial stress boil 
um, parenting pressures mount up or fall into an argument pattern, um, you know, like the same-o, same-o, or, or your arguments are uh, about past arguments. You've already had the arguments, but yet when you have another argument, other arguments are brought into that argument. So then you're worried about past arguments that may have already been solved or forgotten about or um, apologized to, forgiven for, but when you have another argument, sometimes that past argument seeps into the new argument, and then it, you get nowhere. Um, and um, sometimes, it's, um, especially if you're locked behind, um, you know, and you're together all the time, if you're locked behind the doors, on like when people are in quarantine um, or something, um, some people had children and some people wanted to give their children away, <laughs> um, you know, being locked up with them, more or less. <laughs> um, and I mean that jokingly, <laughs> but um, parents that have children probably understand what I mean. <laughs> um, so, and the children probably understand that in the parents' perspective. They probably wanted to be orphans or be adopted out or something. So, um, but anyway, making time to go outside of your house um, can sometimes help break you out of a pattern and allow both of you to feel like you're, um, you've been able to, like, escape the, the usual and the, the daily norm to norm. Um, try to open the door and look outside at least once a day can be a, and be a part of the world sometimes can make a difference, too, in, uh, your mental state of mind. Um, I know, like, with here, when I'm with my mom, um, Sometimes a week will go by and I won't even open that front door. And when I open there, I'm like, hello, world. <laughs> you know, uh, fancy meeting you here. But now I've gotten to where I try to at least open the door once a day, um, if at all possible, just to at least look outside. Now, sometimes, obviously, here lately with the winter, the door opening is very uh, brief <laughs> because it's freaking cold or there's snow out there. Um, but sometimes... Um, I embrace the cool air. I'll embrace the snow. Um, and I'll actually take a moment to look at the world, even if it is in my own backyard. Um, because there's life outside of these walls. And I have to remember that. Because if I get confined up into um, the same type of... Um, solitary confinement, if you will, as my mother does right now, um, we're not going to do each other any good at all. And I have to be strong enough for her because even though she's my mother, right now she is my other part of a relationship. She is the person I take care of. She is the one I have to keep myself in check for. She's the one that I have to communicate with. And and even though it's not an intimate relationship, obviously because it's my mother, it's still a form of a relationship. It's a mother-daughter relationship. It's a caregiver and a patient relationship. Um, but also other things, you know, I cook for her, I clean, I help her, you know, bathe herself and go to the bathroom or medication, doctor appointments, life. Um, you know, and, and I've even had to help wipe her butt, you know, and, but at the same time too, I know that if she did not have me, um, she probably would not be here today. Um, so... I know that it is very important to keep myself in check in order to keep my mom uh, as stable as possible and also to keep our relationship um, 
solid, you know, good, respectful, um, nurturing, um, growing. I have a lot of trauma from my childhood, um, you know, that I have had to overcome. And some of it has stemmed from my mother. And um, I am trying to grow from that. But I do not let that affect me. I try not to let it affect me. Let me reword that. I try not to let it affect me in a way that it doesn't protect her. I, I try to protect her because she is so vulnerable. She is, um, she needs somebody to be her eyes and her, her weight bearing her, um, her go-to, her safe place, her reassurance. When she was in the hospital, you know, when she was in so much pain, I was running around with my head cut off because the hospital is not equipped for my mom's situation. Because my mom is blind, my mom is bedridden, my mom can be a handful, um, especially when she's in pain. Um, but a lot of times the hospitals are not equipped. And then she's bedridden, and she's a fall risk, obviously, but then she's on a water pill. So she's got to go to the bathroom a lot. She's on a water pill, and she has to have her water pill. Um, so I spent most of the time doing a bedpan uh, through the night uh, where we got no sleep um, and um, she was in so much pain and she was in tears and crying and the whole time she's hollering out for me and um, that I because I know um, that's what the difference is even though we butt heads and we are not perfect in our relationship I know she needs me, and I'm there. And I can't be there if I don't keep myself in check. And that's what I'm trying to learn how to do. And that's what I'm trying to um, work on with myself. But at the same time, I have to remember, too, to pick my battles. And that's not always, that's not always possible because I am, um, uh, <laughs> how do I say this? I don't know. I know my mom's not listening, but um, I'm a lot like my mom in stubbornness. Um, and if you tell her that, I'll deny it. And and if she hears this or anybody has this as proof, um, my my account's been hacked and this is not true. <laughs> so anyway, I'm a lot like my mother um, in a lot of ways, actually. And why wouldn't I be? You know. But um, it's 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 with any relationship you're in, even with child and and parent. But most of the time, in husband, for this argument's sake of this particular podcast, obviously it all goes together because um, relationships are different in every part. But every relationship also stems back to you and how you are affected by the relationships that affect you. And that, in return, helps you to be the reflection on other relationships that you're a part of. If that paints a picture that makes sense. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, it says change the scenery and take a break. I would, um, you know, so they say, you know, maybe 
uh, couples can walk around outside and discuss their issues. Maybe they can um, go outside and enjoy the weather if it's nice out and not be forced to look directly at each other, but maybe put you in a neutral environment territory. Um, and it takes the pressure off of the conversation um, and also puts you out in public um, to where hopefully <laughs> the other one don't act a fool. <laughs> Um, but it also keeps you feeling safe. Um, but also, too, if you're out walking around or you're outside and you get into a heated part of a discussion that's going to amplify, you might be able to walk away easier outside and branch off to get your bearings and then meet back, you know, and and try to resolve, um, not necessarily, I guess, resolve, but try to communicate enough to where sometimes I have found sometimes you just have to agree to disagree and that doesn't mean that you're letting the other person admit that they're right and you're wrong but sometimes you just have to agree to disagree and go on because everybody has their own opinions and their own views and their own values and their own morals and and own perspective on things and that doesn't make one better than the other it just makes their their perspective differently but this is the same perspective of a person that you love. Um, and sometimes staying in one place during an argument um, can make you feel like you aren't moving around um, or moving in a direction of an endpoint. You know, like you feel like this argument is going to go on forever and it's going to escalate and things are going to fly or you're going to fly or, or, you know, it's just going to go back and forth or old arguments are going to come in and it's going to, and it's going to be an all night process because, hey, let's not go to bed uh, mad. Some people might be, never be going to bed <laughs> and then you don't get your sleep. Um, that doesn't make you very, um, that's not very safe and, and stable either. Um, so. And don't let anger be your last memory with somebody, if that all possible. You know, I was in a relationship with somebody, and I would be so upset with him about something that was going on. And, um, of course, I was going through a lot of things, and so was he. But I would be mad or upset about something, and I would walk out the door. And i come back, and I said, I love you. I just want to let you know I love you. So in this case... Something happened while I was gone. I don't want this to be the last thing you remember. But damn it, I love you. And, and I got to go now. But I'm still mad at you. But I love you. You know, because you don't want them to think, you know, oh, man, we just had a really bad argument. And I said this and I said that. And there's a lot of remorse, a lot of things you cannot get back. But don't throw that word around just to be having a word to say. And um, I was in a relationship with this guy. And... <laughs> He texted me one time, and it was the early stages of our relationship, and he said, <laughs> I think I'm falling in like with you. <laughs> I thought that was the cutest thing. And I said, oh, is that kind of like the cross between like and love? So we invented the word lie of, L-I-O-V-E. So it's like the middle of like and love. You're like in the in-between of it. You're, you know... You're you're in this one stage and you're trying to transition to this other step. So it's it's lie of you're in in you're in the in between of you know. But sometimes you can love somebody and not like them, and that's okay. You can you know be like, hey, I don't I don't really like you right now, but I love I love you. But give me a minute and 
my emotions and my feelings and my triggers and my mental state of mind and my um, anxiety and my stress and my depression, it might all calm down in a minute and then we'll be okay. Because sometimes you might not like somebody and it might not even be the reflection of, of not liking them, but something that they did might have triggered you. And so that's where you're at. And, and that's not always the case, but I feel like sometimes, obviously, that's a big um, factor. We are a reflection of the ricocheted feelings that we feel off of other people. And um, that's just kind of the way I look at it sometimes. Um, when you cause, uh, when you, quotations, causes trouble, or I, or try to use I instead. So instead of putting somebody on defense, um, it may be like simple words and word choices. Um, when I was going to um, marriage counseling, with my first ex-husband, and he was, uh, we were going there because he had become violent with me, and I got tired of covering my bruises up. And um, I told him, I said, you know, if we're going to make this work, we need to go to marriage counseling, and you need to go to anger management classes or school or counseling or something. And um, our therapist was like, try to turn it to where instead of you're saying, you know, you're making me really upset or you're doing this, you're doing that, to say, you know what, I really feel like blah, blah, blah. Or I, um, I think that, you know, or this makes me feel like da, 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 you know, or whatever. Or you might be like, you know, I feel this or I think this or I took it this way, or I need this, or maybe you can just simply say, I am sorry. And um, sometimes statements too often in an argument can lead to the longer fights and more stress in your, in your partner. But if you put them on a defense, you're not going to get anywhere because they're, they're going to be too busy defending themselves they're not even going to listen to anything else you got to say because they're already in defense mode. And sometimes it's fight or flight. And um, sometimes it's fight and <laughs> and run for your life. But um, And I'm not joking there. It does get that escalated. And some people that love people so much, um, sadly in the end of it, ends up loving so much that that love turns into a rage of anger and hate because they hate the fact that they love them so much because they're hurting so much and it gets violent sometimes um and sometimes you have to decide do you want to fix the moment or do you want to just be right and um sometimes it is all about your language your body language and the way you represent what you're trying to say and how you're trying to come across. It's being knowledgeable of not only your side of the argument, but the interpretation of the other side. Now, you can't always control, obviously, how somebody takes something you say. But that doesn't mean you need to go out of your way to uh, be, be mean. <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to make a solution and solve and communicate into a problem and to save your relationship, you need to then listen to each other and communicate. If you're trying to sever your relationship, then don't be a dick about it and just freaking leave. I mean, seriously. And that goes to both parties. 
If you're not wanting to be in a relationship, then just leave. They don't need to be all the middle stuff in between. It's not going to get you anywhere except making a big escalation that doesn't really need to go, you know, anywhere because it's not going to go anywhere, you know. And there's just no, life is too short for that. It really is. Um, <clears throat> so, like, for example, it says, um, I say, I feel really disappointed and unimportant when I'm planning on a date night and you end up canceling it. Um, instead of uh, you make instead of uh, tapping into the situation makes you feel versus every time we make plans or a date, you end up bailing at the last minute. So instead of saying it that way, you can always say, you know, I wish you were disappointed and point and unimportant when I plan a date night and you end up canceling it. So you're acknowledging your feelings, un disappointed and unimportant, and the event, planning a date night, and the reaction, the other person canceling it. So as opposed to being a defense conversation, sentence rather, every time we make plans for a date, you end up bailing at me on the last minute. So then that person gets in defense mode like, you know, no, I don't, blah, 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 blah. And instead, when you say it the other way, then it gives time for the other person to acknowledge your feelings instead of your attack. Um, ask for help or ask how you can help. One of the hardest things you can do uh, when you're stressed out is ask for help. And don't I know that. <laughs> Um, I am very bad at asking for help, and I'm very bad at, um, I guess, um, accepting it. <laughs> I'm one of those ones that are like, I've got it, I got it, I'll do this, I'll do this, you know, don't worry about that, I'll take care of this, that's me. And um, I need to slow that down. <laughs> And, and I'm and I've got to learn how to do that because I'm not good at that. I'll say that 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 is a very hard thing for me to do because I've been so independent and on my I've been on my own since I was 17, and I've been so independent my whole life. Um, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself. Obviously, when I got married to my first husband, I was still young. Um, but when we got divorced, you know, getting abused by somebody at such a young age, at any age rather, um, it does something to somebody. And, um, it, it, it's, uh, it put me in a whole different, um, whole different realm of myself. <laughs> and, um, now I'm very independent. And, um, sometimes I'm very too independent, if that's even possible. When I was married to my second husband, he was, um, <laughs> a, a carpenter. And, um, I'm pretty handy. I've had to be. I've remodeled a couple of my homes, or one of my homes, prior to meeting him, and then I had done a few things on my home that I had when I met him. Um, but <laughs> he was—he said to me one time, "I don't know what you need me for. <laughs> I mean, what can I do for you? You know, because you do it." <laughs> and so I had to act like I didn't know how to change a doorknob, lock, handle thing. Um, like, I couldn't do nothing, you know, I'd be like, hey, you know, so when we went, one time I changed this door lock handle, he goes, how'd you, how'd you know how to do that? Where'd you learn how to do that? And I'm like, uh, I just follow the instructions, you know, and then I got to thinking later, why do I have to dumb myself down? Why can't he be proud that his, you know, significant other that he's supposed to love 
um, can handle a power tool and, you know, knows what she's doing and can work right beside him. And, you know, equally, or not necessarily equally, but we can learn off of each other. Instead of me having to act like I'm something that I'm not and I need to dumb myself down because I need to be a damsel in distress in order to stroke his eagle. His ego, not his eagle. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> stroke anything of his. Um, anyway, I'm going to continue. Oh, goodness. Um... Where was I? <laughs> um, so, um, asking for help. <laughs> help. <laughs> Sometimes you may feel too overwhelmed to ask for help or be in a high-stress situation that you don't even know um, what kind of help you need. Um, if you've ever felt this way, your partner will, has definitely felt it too. Um, that's why the best thing you can do is to take a breath and ask them what kind of help they need. Like, for example, a pile of dirty dishes may not normally be a big deal to your partner, but if you feel this stretched to the limit already, and already so many directions you're going, um, that pile of dishes is very huge and very overwhelming. And if you are like me and have OCD and OMG and all this other stuff, <sighs> it's a mess. I used to be... Um, I could not go to bed without my kitchen clean and my dishes done. I'd be in there at 3 o'clock in the morning washing dishes um, when I was in college, uh, married to my second husband. And um, <laughs> now, taking care of my mom, and I do everything here and then some. And I get no outside help from anybody. Um, I look at them dishes now, and I do clean the kitchen. I wipe the counters down, and, you know, and stuff. And I'll look at those dishes, and I'll be like, I'll do you tomorrow if I feel like it. And the only one that's going to bother is me. And if it bothers me, I'm going to have to walk myself through it and breathe through it. Because I'm exhausted. But I'm also trying to pick my battles on where I need to put myself. And those dishes are going to be there. There isn't a huge amount. Most of it's silverware, actually. Um, but... I might end up just putting them in the deck on dishwasher. Sometimes I'll divide them in half and I'll put half in the dishwasher and half in the sink and do it that way. Um, but with it being silverware, it might find its way in the dishwasher because um, for two people, we go through a lot of silverware. But of course, then I'm cooking or whatever. And I dirty a knife with butter and I put it in the sink and I get another knife out for something else. And I'm like, I need to quit doing that. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Um, let's see, where was I at? Um, that's why the best thing you can do is to take a breath and ask them uh, what kind of help they need. Um, you can respond to your partner's stress by simply asking them about it and how you can support them. You know, um, we are more likely to miss the mark when we assume. Um, if you assume you know what the response is going to be, then you're probably going to be wrong. Not always, but... It's, don't take it for granted. Don't take your your significant other for granted. Um, I would recommend taking. It says I recommend, but I recommend taking some something off of their plate. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, when you give them something less to worry about in other areas, uh, you are supporting them inadvertently. So, you know, if there's a big pile. Just go do them together. Do it as as. Well, it's going to be quality time and probably quantity time. Um, it depends on how big your family is. But, you know, if you got a guy out there 
we're just going to hypothetically old school, okay? You got a guy out there that is, you know, got the job. He's a sole provider, um, you know, whatever. And then you got the woman, and she's taking care of the house, doing the grocery shopping, taking care of the kids, doing the activities at school, doing all the laundry. Um, also may have a job, and she comes home from work, and her job does not stop. She's still doing the house, still doing dishes, still doing laundry, still taking care of the kids, still giving them baths, still making your lunch maybe, or, you know, making sure that you're fed, or making sure that she puts your nerds, needs before, nerds, <laughs> put your nerds before hers, put your knees before hers, um, and she's tired, and her job doesn't stop, you come home from work, you might pop open a beer, put your feet up, watch a game, and your, your day's done. Her day doesn't stop. It's still going. And I'm not saying that's always the case because I know, well, I don't personally know because I never had it. But I do know there are relationships out there that that is not exactly the case. That there are equal partners as they should be. Um, because those dinners and those dishes and those clothes and that house and those kids did not all get created by the one person that's maintaining them. It takes two. Um, and... It, it's a lot. And then you add jobs on top of that. And even if the woman or the man, um, so the man can stay home and do that, and the roles can be reversed. I know there are situations like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But acknowledge that even though they're sitting at home, quote, unquote, their job is just as big as what yours is. But their paycheck is part of your paycheck because it's an equal entity and even though you might not make as much as your partner it's what you contribute otherwise that makes up the difference of the financial gain because if you take all the financial money the rest of it is what matters because in the end of it being together and having a solid relationship and a solid family is worth more than anything materialistic and money could ever buy so while you're hugging your wife or your husband at night, that's more important. And and I mean the ser sincerely serious, so everybody can say, oh, I don't know about this. Hugging money and materialistic things at night is not as rewarding. So you can replace money and materialistic things. You cannot replace your a person. You, you can't. Um says, uh, hear them out instead of planning uh, your defense. Like I said, best de uh, self-defense is not feeling defensive. Um, an argument can sometimes feel like a competition. Their goal uh, is to score the most points over your opponent. While it may feel good to win the argument, it doesn't do anything to de-stress your partner or the situation. And you really, neither one of you come out as winners then. You really don't. If they're expressing your their anxiety to you, if um, even if it's not in a calm or productive way, try to hear them out. Even if you don't agree with them, stopping to take the time to actually hear what they're saying will help validate your point of view or their point of view. You can learn how to be a more effective active listener. Uh, listen to each other. Talk to each other, not at each other. Um, and um, you might just find that you um, get along, you know, uh, get a long way in that. I know, like with me, um, this is a conversation my mom and I have had. Um, 
when I get passionate about something or I'm very strong on something, my voice really raises and I get very loud. And my voice sometimes gets a different tone to it. And um, I acknowledge this. But also to my great-grandmother was deaf and um, we all had to talk loud to her. Um, and that's also my defense. But <laughs> when I'm passionate about something or... Um, really adamant about something and, and then it's important to me I get very uh, loud sometimes so when I'm trying to explain myself um, or if I'm I have a lot of trauma or anxiety or something is all built up or I'm venting um, I get loud sometimes and it's no reflection on the person that I'm that's listening to me it's just because that's just who I am and um, I don't mean that as an attack on the person that's listening or is there um, but sometimes I, I I don't control it this just becomes who I am and sometimes my mom's like why are you talking so loud you're hurting my ears and it's like I'm sorry you know how I get when I get on a subject to something this is just who I am I've been like this my whole life this is nothing new <laughs> you know and um, but it sometimes it can be taken the wrong way if somebody doesn't take the time to understand that that's how uh, a person is because they might feel attacked and being yelled at and then they're not even hearing what the person is inadvertently saying behind um, all the things that they're ta actually talking about and all the triggers and all the pain and whatever else the case may be that's in their voice that is making the volume go up that somebody might not realize to listen to and um, it can make a difference sometimes and it can be a big misunderstanding sometimes if you're in an argument with your partner it would make more sense to assume that the source of the problem was you or something you did that upset them however even if the argument is being had with you it might not really be even about you Again, it could be triggers. It could be anything. It could be something that has you weren't even there, you know, or whatever. It could be whatever that person is going through. And as a, as a partner, a significant other, as somebody that is supposed to be uh, their go-to, their safe haven, um, it's kind of in the job description, if you will, um, to be that person. And, um, but it goes both ways. It really does. But if that bothers you, when the situation is calmed down and you guys are in the right um, form mode of, of conversation, then in a positive, uh, respectful way, you might be able to express that um, somehow, some way, but also have a game plan on how you can react um, when that should arise to where you don't have to get your partner more upset because it takes two to argue. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you need to, to walk on eggshells to have a life with somebody. And if you're walking on the eggshells to be in life with somebody, um, that might not be your, your coop you need to be in. <laughs> not your coop, not your poop. <laughs> Just saying. So anyway, um, external factors in your partner's life may be contributing to their increased stress. Try to think about what may actually be causing the tension in your relationship and work to address the real reason you're, you're feeling, they're feeling stressed. When we are stressed about work, family, um, etc., we carry um, this into our relationships. 
our patience is reduced, and we don't always have the emotional capacity to handle issues appropriately. Therefore, um, couples may take time to rejuvenate, take care of um, themselves, and evaluate if they are taking um, things out on their partner, you know, indirectly. Um, like I said, it could be something that has nothing to do with them, but yet you're lashing at them, and then obviously they're in defense mode, where it just might be something that happened, and you might be venting, or you're triggered, or whatever the case may be, and, um, you know, you don't even realize you're doing it. I know, like with my mom going through, you know, healing from losing my dad, um, there in the beginning, uh, you know, we would go to the doctor's office, and um, the doctor actually looked at my mom one time and said, I see you use your daughter as a punching bag. And I was like, wow, finally somebody sees this. <laughs> um, and my mom's like, no. And he goes, it's understandable because she's there. She's easy accessible. And you're taking everything you have, your pain, your anger, your anxiety, and everything, and you're, you're, she's the one catching it all. You're, she's the punch bag. And, um, it's, it's a process, but this can happen in any relationship, but that's just an example. And my mom wasn't even realizing that that's what the case was. She didn't even, didn't even realize that's what was going on. Um, and I have to say in respect that I have to believe that she didn't know that's what was going on. Because if I don't, then that's a whole different ballgame, a whole different podcast. And I'm not going there. There's no point to. It's not going to do me any good to have any self-doubt on anything if I'm trying to make things positive. There's been enough negative in my life. I'm trying to find the positive things and the negative to make my life more positive and more worth smiling for. So if I concentrate on trying to find the negative and the things that hurt me, then I might as well just be the person I was. And how, how can I survive uh, what was killing me if I'm still holding the knife and stabbing me, you know, per se? So... I, I've got to remind myself that I don't need to be that way. I don't need to think that way, and I need to try to catch myself if I happen to, um, you know, go in that that sort of direction of thought. Um, and sometimes I need to just remind myself, be quiet. And for me to be quiet, that's, that's a big word. But like with my mom's situation, um, with her going to the hospital and stuff, because I had I had left to go to my physical therapy appointment. I had been gone 15 minutes, and I got a phone call. My mom needed me to come home and call an ambulance for her. I had to leave my physical therapy appointment, and uh, I have to call them and reschedule. Um, and I had to go get my mom. I called the ambulance, um, having them come out, went to the hospital. Um, she she couldn't even hardly stand or, or anything. Um, <laughs> and she, <laughs> it took a moment. She said, May, "She said, promise me that you'll you'll follow us up there." And I said, "I promise I will. I'll be right behind you guys." Well, I went and got everything ready, and I got signed. They're still in the driveway. I said, "How am I supposed to follow you if you're still here?" You know, but I come to find out later, my mom's sense of humor. I don't know where she gets it from. Um, but she she said it took them so long <laughs> because the medic asked her. If she knew um, what the date was, what the year was, and and then he said, <laughs> just, <laughs> sorry, I'm one of them people too, I laugh before I say what it is, 
Um, because I can see my mom saying this. He said, do you know who the president is? <laughs> and my mom said, we don't have one. <laughs> and he said, he said, okay, um, do you know who the president was last time? <laughs> and she said, yeah, Trump. <laughs> and he was like, he couldn't argue with her. So, I mean, but th this is what took him so long in the driveway because he was trying to make sure she was coherent. And obviously she's being coherent because she was, she was joking with him. She's like, we don't, he's like, who's the president? She goes, we don't have one. <laughs> so anyway, um, so it says also, um, consider the root of the stress of their stress, um, talking to them rather at them. Um, if you're, um, obviously going in defense mode, it's hard, um, to be, um, de-escalate stressors and de-escalate triggers. And it's harder to be supportive and sympathetic sympathetic get my word out to the other person if you're in defense mode and a lot of times um um i feel like an argument is basically one big um screaming match of self-defense <laughs> um because unless it's productive um and have productive arguments and and con uh constructive arguments if you will um then you're just yelling at each other you're not even saying anything. You're just yelling. You might as well just talk like Charlie Brown's teacher and just do it, raise the voice octave because you're not saying anything. And you're definitely not being heard. Um, uh, couples counseling uh, are always uh, available and options for help. Even if you've committed uh, you've committed significant uh, effort to de-stress your relationship, uh, it may be too difficult to entirely handle it on your own. Um especially if there's a deep hurt or there's a prolonged period of stress or you um, you could consider couples counseling or therapy in a relationship, whether you're married or not. Um, couples therapy is not a bad idea. Some people do couples therapy and stuff prior to getting married, um, you know, to make sure they're on the same path and that's what they want. So they don't take um, the leap of faith, if you will, to get married. Um, all to find out that's not where they needed to be or shouldn't be or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but that's not a bad alternative either. However, it needs to be taken seriously. Because therapy is only going to be as productive as what you are willing to be productive with it on and what you're willing to contribute, but also to understanding that you're not the whole counseling session. And a counselor can only give you um, helpful therapeutic advice and resources if they have all the resources given to them in honesty and truth worth. Because if you go to one-on-one -on -one counseling, your counselor is only going to give you advice based off of what you tell them. And if you neglect to leave out the parts of things that you did and didn't own the things that you did honestly, then you're not really going to get anything out of that counseling except a an expensive um, therapeutic um, merit badge or, or identity or pat on the back or whatever of the negativity of why you're in counseling to begin with because 
you're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest and owning yourself. And you you get out of your counseling um, only accurate um, reflections of help, I guess, if you want to put it that way, based off the truthful um, reflections that you put in it. So if you're sitting there damning your partner and not being honest about um, your part of it all too, um, and being in the whole, I'm one of those people like, <laughs> my daughter would get so mad at me because she'd be like, you know, somebody in front of me, you know, just, you know, going so slow or cut me off or whatever. I'm like, well, maybe they're having a bad day or maybe something's going on. Maybe they're having problems with their car. And she goes, or maybe there's being an asshole, mom. Why can't you just say that? Why do you always got to think everything's so positive and, and always be on defense for everybody and always thinking, you know, this, you know, positive things and whatever. Why can't they just be an asshole? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, fine, they're just an asshole then. That's better, that's better. Um, she's like, sometimes maybe that's just what I need to hear. But I'm one of those people, I try to think of, maybe they're having a bad day, maybe something's wrong with their car, maybe they didn't see you, you know, or whatever the case may be. But acknowledging that other things are going on in other people's lives and other people's minds that has made them into the person that they are that contributed to the situation that happened is also a reflection of your reaction of what you were going through with your trauma and then that is what the counseling is about you can't and this is just my opinion this is like with me going to therapy okay i i have a counselor and um i just recently started taking care of myself and i'm and i'm trying so hard um, and I'm proud of myself because I'm, I feel I'm a little biased because it's me, but I feel like I'm doing a lot better. I've got a long way to go. And like I told him, uh, I'm in preschool. I'm learning. Um, but at least I'm moving and trying and, and trying to, uh, grow. I'm not trying to stay in one level, not trying to stay in one particular mode of grade. I'm trying to evolve I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to learn, but I'm also trying to restudy what I was studying before because evidently I had the wrong answers and because whatever was going on was killing me. And so the, the cheat seats, the resources, the outside um, whatever, society, peer pressure, whatever the case may be, um, gave me too many years of wrong answers on how to respond to a positive resource of my life and make me who I am in a positive way. I'm a good person. And I'm not just saying that because it's me. I know I'm a good person. I do a lot for a lot of people. And I have let go of, of everybody. Or I have let go of myself to hold on to everybody else. And I am trying to teach myself that I have let go of me to hold on to everybody else. And then I was pushing myself off of the cliff. And who was going to catch me? And I have learned that no matter how hard I was trying to hold on to people, you can't hold on to somebody when they're trying to chop your fingers off. You know, so you have to, you have to realize, I told you I'm a big metaphoric person, <laughs> you know, but you have to realize that you sometimes you have to hold on to each other you know and sometimes 
It's just the air. You're fighting the air. And that hurts. That, that can hurt. And I used to always say, um, not because I talk to myself. I use, uh, I've said, I, when I talk out loud, people think I'm crazy. And when I talk to myself, I make myself crazy. To the point where I feel like I'm going to implode. And before, you know, I talk to myself all the time, all the time out, out, you know, out loud. And I'm like, oh, who am I talking to? I'm talking to nobody. I'm talking to the air, but the air don't care. You know, and I would say this all the time. And that's not true. Because my ears are part of that wind of air. And it comes out of my mouth into the air and reflects off of the air back into my ears and recycles and recycles and recycles. I hear it. And I care. Now, before I didn't even care to listen. I didn't even care. I didn't even know what I was hearing. I needed to hear myself. But I needed to know to listen to myself and I needed to catch what I was saying before it went back into my ears to rejuvenate through. And I've had enough negative and enough heartache and enough self-esteem stuff going inside my ears from the air of other people that it was starting to sound, their voices were starting to be my own. So then I had to stop and try to remember to stop what I was saying out loud to myself because even I was getting on my nerves and didn't like what I was saying. So if you're doing that to yourself and you're not being honest with yourself and knowing how to try to counteract that, it's kind of hard to grow when you have nothing to help flourish you and, and give you nutrients enough to want to flourish and blossom. And... This is where I'm at in my life right now. And this has a big effect on relationships that you are in throughout your life. Because I've always had to be the provider. <laughs> um, outside of my first ex-husband, he did work. And I was the at-home mom. Um, my second husband, don't even, that's a whole... That's a whole special podcast counseling session all in one with maybe some adult beverages involved because we are not going to go there. Um, I worked, went to school, and took care of um, <laughs> the whole complete family for about nine years, and he um, he didn't even pay one bill the whole time. He was an alcoholic and um, is just a whole different ballgame. But anyway, that is my past. And I have always been the provider. I've always had to be the, the, the giver. I've always, I, I could not tell you the last time I probably got a Christmas present or a birthday present from any man I've ever been with. I, I don't remember. Um, I've, never had a, I've never had anything like that. Um, but I was, I was always the one to make sure that... Um, you know, they did, they got, they, their holiday, their birthday, their moment, um, their day, whatever they needed, um, was taken care of the best I could. I was, I always try to stay one step ahead if I could, so that way I could take off the burden 
or the heartache or the pain or whatever um, to be there for them because I never really had anybody there for me and I knew what that felt like so I was trying to make sure that uh, the person I was with didn't have to feel that way and um, instead I would take the pain and you know I'm I'm I've been a, through a lot in my relationships but I can't let those relationships um, or lack thereof um, define who I am as a person and my self-esteem as uh, a woman looking at my reflection in the mirror but also too uh, remembering that um, <laughs> and that this is hard for me to say and this is crazy it should not be hard for me to say um, that I'm worth wanting I'm worth looking at I'm worth talking to I'm I'm worth the fight I'm worth the effort I'm worth the laughter I'm worth the heartache I'm worth the, the dry humor the jokes um, I'm worth it and um, the day that I don't have to um, define that definition to somebody will probably be the man that um, had to be one hell of a man <laughs> um, honestly so um, anyway <laughs> uh, let's see where were we at um, counseling <laughs> um, so looking ahead when you take steps towards uh, improving your relationship and de-stressing, you're proving to yourself and your partner that you believe there's something special worth working at. There's something special worth saving. I was with this relationship with somebody, and um, I used to tell him, if I believed you 1% chance or half a percent chance loved me, and truly, truly loved me, I would fight for us. Because I knew how much we were worth fighting for. And he was going through a lot of a lot of things that um, I really don't know everything to. But he was fighting some, some demons that were a lot taller than him. And he he's a tall dude. Um, but he was fighting demons taller than him. And, um, I'm five foot half inch, but I, um, I would jump in front of him quicker than anything, um, to protect him if I needed to. And, um, you know, I just, um, I'm a ninja like that, <laughs> but, um, it's just, you know, you got to decide also too. On in that half a percent, even though they're going through what you're, they're going through, doesn't mean you're not going through something either. Because at the same time he is fighting his demons, I was going through the most tragic time of my life. My grandson died, and um, I needed more than that half percent. But I was fighting. To savor that half percent as much as I could. Because I needed that 
I needed him. I wanted him. I, I wanted him to be okay. I wanted him to uh, fight for himself. I wanted him to make me a priority as much as I made him a priority. I wanted to feel that I was I was worth the fight. And unfortunately, when you get to per certain points in your life, um, they go in directions that you really don't know why they are the way they are. Um, you still find yourself fighting for something um, and you don't even know what percentage it's at anymore. But you also have to understand and remind yourself um, how much of that half percentage is um, taking over your life and not letting you live your life and not letting you move on and not letting you enjoy what you deserve and it needs to be more than a half percent sometimes it can't be a half percent for the whole relationship and only grow in spurts but then retract again and stay down there and sometimes people need to understand that you might be meant to be or you might not be meant to be but at the same time sometimes people get together and it's just the wrong timing and sometimes people get together or don't get together and they run out of time um, when you and your partner com commit to supporting one another <clears throat> you'll be surprised by the progress the two of you make if both partners truly want to save their relationship um, and have the humility to work on themselves and have the commitment to work hard on growing in their relationships and also growing as a person individual then a relationship can be healed and recover from any prolonged stress as it comes along because you'll be able to overcome and but you'll be able to also come together um, and that's the way it should be. And I actually have more stuff I was going to read, but I know we're at, a, at an hour and 18 minutes already. So I'm going to pull off there um, and just take, take from there. But, um, you know, every relationship is hard. And being single sometimes can uh, feel like a lifelong sentence of lonelihood. But at the same time, too, I've seen these sayings that say, you know, know your worth and add tax. You know what? Don't do that. That's a silly saying. Because you know what? We are taxed on everything in our life. And the government has enough of their taxation and in, in hands in our lives that they need to just step back. And you just, as a person, and then I say this to myself, I'm going to say you. I have looked at myself in the mirror and actually look at my reflection now. And I am trying to remember that it's okay to be me even if I don't always look so presentable to society. 
Um, I can look like a hot mess. <laughs> uh, and other times just look like a mess. <laughs> um, but it's, it's who I am. But my looks should not be a reflection on my internal visions of me. Um, it's just an, your looks on the outside is an exterior, is exterior wall basically. And it's getting past the, the looks of the wall to actually see, um, see what's inside. But if you have somebody who is so used to being judged and put down and and um, neglected and and treated like they're invisible and not even there in existence, then when somebody comes knocking at their wall or trying to look inside or trying to see um, something or even just curious, you're going to probably build that wall higher. And it's the one person that realizes, hey, this wall is a mirage. There's nothing even really built here. We have a whole new foundation to rebuild together on. The rest is just a mirage. A reflection of everything else in the world that has made us feel and be and act and treat each other the way that we do and you know so many things are fabricated in today's time technology is our greatest asset and our biggest demise and that shouldn't be who we are and it shouldn't be who we want our children to be in the future you know, and that's what makes it all worth it. That's what's worth fighting for. Each other, our families, our kids, our parents, our loved ones, our friends. <clears throat> but you know what? You can fight and fight and fight and say that's what it's all about. But unless you don't remember to bring in the important factor then it's just going to be them and you won't even be a contri contributing factor in there because you're going to forget you. So if all that is worth fighting for, you need to remember that you are worth fighting for. And you need to be honest with yourself in your head because you do not need to be a reflection of the demons that continue to feel like they're taller than you. Because even a person who is 6'2 can feel like the smallest person in the world if they are made to feel that way by somebody else's reflections of all that heaviness that they put on them to carry. And eventually, they can bury them and make them feel like the shortest person in the world. And please don't let that be you. I might be five foot half inch. 
but I'm a monkey and I'll climb. I I have a, a son who is six foot, six foot one, and I yeah he gets his height from me. <laughs> I used to tell him, boy, I might be short, but my foot can still fit up your ass, <laughs> and I will go get me a chair if I have to. Don't think I won't. <laughs> but I used to be able to say his name a certain way, and that boy would cry. And um, but I you know it's just. You don't have to be tall to feel small. And sometimes you might be the smallest soap in the house and feel bigger than your bridges. And um, hopefully there aren't the ones that you burn. Sometimes, though, you got to be bigger than the brat. And sometimes remember that you are the brat. So it just goes all kinds of ways. It depends on how you want to look at it. But also, too, you can look at it in all kinds of ways. But it depends on what direction of the person you want to look at first. And before you can have a relationship, before you can be anything, parent, uh, a brother, a sister, um, a teacher, or whoever, whoever, I can go through and name all these different areas. You, it, you get the point. I, I'm going to guess that you get the point. Or you say you get the point. But if you can't be you first, you sure in the hell won't be all the rest of it. Because you will not even know where to go. And then you'll get lost in yourself. And if you can't be every, you, can't be you then you won't know... Um, you won't be able to survive. So don't let go of you to hold on to everybody else. And if you're meant to hold on to them, it's because you're meant to hold on to them. But at the same time, too, sometimes you need to be held as well. Don't count yourself short just to feel tall. And maybe that's all cheesy, but to me it makes sense. And that's just who I am. And I'm not going to dumb myself down for anybody anymore in my life if I can help it. And if I remember myself to remind myself that. Um, and that's important. And if you are struggling with something, there are resources for you. And yeah, that's easier said than done. It really is. Because when you're not in your right frame of mind per se, you don't always think clearly. So try to have a game plan with yourself ahead of time if you can. Try to find ways to de-escalate yourself. Talk yourself through it. Even if you have to develop a surviving, positive personality, do it. You're the one in control. It depends on who you let take the control of you is what's going to be the choices of your mental state of mind in the end of it all. And like I said before, I am trying to heal my personality that has had to protect me, my survivor, if you will. And she wasn't wanting to die. She just wanted the pain to stop. And now I have to find a way to heal that part of me. So we don't die. And that's what I'm doing. And if you are struggling with something... Please reach out. Have a game plan. Whatever you need to do. 988 Suicide Hotline. Simple three letters or three numbers. 
I say this in almost every single one of my podcasts. It ain't no joke. I had a best friend that committed suicide. No, another one that tr- attempted, and luckily his brother got there in time. Another one, my best friend's son committed suicide. I've had a lot of people in my life that have committed suicide. I used to clean crime scenes for a living, and most of the scenes we did, obviously a lot of them, were suicides. It's no joke. And honestly, it's not funny. And um, if you need to, please, don't for one second think that it is. And tell yourself that repeatedly. And instead of looking at yourself in the mirror and cussing yourself out, putting yourself down, calling yourself names, or even ignoring yourself to even stop to look at yourself, please instead look at you and really see you for the beautiful person that you are. And maybe just the right person hasn't came along yet. Or maybe the right person is staring you right back in your eyes and sees all the love behind those two hovering, creepy-looking things sometimes that linger in the dark. (laughs) Um, Your eyeballs. (laughs) But can see past that because I always say, you know, you can really tell a lot by a person if you really look in their eyes. Without being creepy, of course. But sometimes people smile with their eyes. And some people, you can see the love in their eyes. And those are the ones that you want to look at. Those, that's the one that needs to take be more dominant. Because the negative, the tears, the heartache, the sadness, the pain, that's been dominant for way too long. And if you need to, get a new mirror. Get a new mirror. Anyway, I'm going to end this podcast now. We're at an hour and a half. So if you are listening to my my podcast, like I always say, I really, really appreciate it. Um, You have dedicated your time in your life. um, Something you can never get back and is priceless. You do not need to add tax to because your life is priceless. You are priceless. Know your worth. Priceless is priceless. Um, and if you have given some time out of your life to dedicate listening to me rambling on and being metaphoric and all this other stuff, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And I truly, truly mean that. Um, and, uh, like I said, if you have any comments or any suggestions or anything, please reach out to me, leave comments or however you need to do it. I have a station on YouTube, um, or channel on YouTube, and I also have my Podbean um, podcast, which this is going on both of them, because I figured out how to do that, <laughs> um, and I am working on doing a video, I thought I was going to be able to do it last week, but um, it was like one of them Chinese Kung Fu movies, where I was talking and my lips needed to catch up, <laughs> so that wasn't working for me, it was it was creeping me out and was making me dizzy, because I was too busy looking at my lips and waiting for my voice to catch up, um, or vice versa, so I'm working on that. I've made a sign already um, to go on my uh, podcast for my background and stuff. So I'm working on it. But anyway, until then, you're just going to have to listen to my voice in your ear. <laughs> and hopefully it's a positive one because I don't try to be negative. Um, I definitely don't try to be negative to anybody. And I'm wholeheartedly um, and adamantly um, doing my best not to be negative in my own ear. Because the air does care. And um, on that note, I will let everybody go. 
and I hope to um, get a chance to have you listen to me again. And if you haven't already, please listen to my other podcasts. Download me, um, subscribe, whatever you need to do. And um, I'm gonna be quiet now. For well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll be quiet when this goes off the air because I just like to ramble. So anyway, <laughs> on that note, I promise I will be quiet and I will say good night. And I hope everybody has a safe and blessed evening. And again, this is Dee, and you have been listening to my podcast. Let me clear my throat. Thank you very much, and good night.